Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Hey tribe, so I got to share something with you that happened last week that was pretty cool. So um, my daughter, who is in fourth grade, came up to me and she's been watching a lot of America's Got Talent recently and she has fallen in love with this girl named Darcy Lynn Farmer. Uh, So if you've watched the show, you know that she is this little blonde girl who does ventriloquism and she sings for her puppets and she's amazing. Just really, really talented. And um, my daughter's fallen in love with her. And so she was on a Chromebook the other night at her house and was pulling together pictures of Darcy Lynn and making a list of why she's amazing and why she's awesome and all of that. And I heard these magical words come from my daughter's mouth. This was kind of like a, Uh, kind of like a big moment in the Miller household. And my daughter asks, Dad, can I share this with you on Google? And it was like the the clouds opened up and there was like singing from the heavens. And (laughs) and I was like, oh, this is so cool because her her school has... um, They've got access to Google uh, Classroom and uh, G Suite and everything through her school, and so um, you know it's those one of those uh, one of those special moments that your that a a dad waits to hear if he's kind of like a Google geek like me. I think this is awesome. I think this is the you know they get it and they're on board. And if you're a Google lover like Matt and I, um, which obviously a lot of you are because this little post on Twitter, which we will link to in the show notes, kind of went viral and everybody started sharing their little ones stories of their interactions with with Google. And so, you know, like from from it, the itty bitties all the way up and then it, it turned into we need T-shirts for this and we need to we need to promote this even more. Awesome sauce. Of course, we got gift out the, the wazoo. Uh, you, Can I say you that? Just did, so, yeah, I yeah. Just, I just said that. I just made that up. So, uh, no, I thought it was adorable. My phone started blowing up because I got you tagged uh-huh. me on your post. And so then with every reply, I'm like, yeah. what's going on? And why are they all talking about, um, you know, the this little girl? And then finally, you know, I got I got online and I could see what was going on. And I just thought it was so awesome. And I wanted I wanted Matt to share that with you all, because yeah. that was a very special moment as a googly geeky dad. Yes, I think, right? yes absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, looking down through the comments, like one of my favorite ones, we had Nairi Clark on here, who I think is a, a fan of the podcast. She says, our son did uh, my son did our cross country trip in a dock. It was shared with everybody that he's traveling. Have had to teach grandma how to open it. And I thought that was awesome that they were not only using <laughs> Google to share ideas, but they were also teaching grandma how to use it too. Right, right. It's that magic moment when they realize what that little blue share button yeah. can do for them. And I think that's that's empowering to to our, our kids, but it's empowering to our students in the classroom. And obviously, one of the biggest reasons why I think we even have this podcast is that we, we love to put this in the hands of students. And so um, when you have those moments, even with your own kids, I think it's very special. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so happy that you shared yeah, that. With yeah, us, it was fun. So and speaking of doing digital interaction that ties in very well with our episode today doesn't it 
It really does. We are going to focus on today's episode on giving feedback in Google Docs and the various ways that you can do that, um, some of the tools that are built in and some of the third party integrations that we can use to give um, high quality feedback to our students and just sort of make the most out of this robust tool. We also, of course, have some news and updates. I'm sure some of you are feeling a, a little remiss that you didn't get any of those <laughs> right. last week. Um, so not to worry, we do have a few of those to share with you. And um, some great questions and feedback from our listeners. And then, of course, some some blog resources to share with you as well. So you ready to go, Matt? I am ready. Let's do this. So to kick off our news and update session, I get the privilege of getting to talk about one of my favorite uh, things out there in the Googleverse, the Google Sphere, the whatever you want to call it, and that has to do with maps. And I know so often we think of maps as that's just that thing that we use to get directions, but there's some really, really rich, deep resources when it comes to maps in Google, and they just keep getting bigger and better. And I know just recently they released through Google Maps an ability to to basically visit the moon and other planets using Google Maps. And so it talks about how in this in this uh, news release they talk about how this uh, spacecraft was launched like 20 years ago so that we would be able to see some of the secrets of Saturn and its many moons and um, so basically what we can do is we can get that imagery and then we can zoom way down on it so that we can get a really really good look at what the you know what the ground looks like on these different planets and these moons and everything which is kind of amazing it's like it's almost sort of like Google Maps Street View goes to another planet. So if that has anything to do with what you do in class, that's pretty cool. And then they've also done another pretty neat thing is um, there's a new Street View collection. So the Street View collections are where they have all of this kind of like up close and personal 360 degree imagery that you can check out. This one is roughly 500 miles from the North Pole in Canada, and it's gorgeous. And so you get all of these snow fields that you can see in mountains and all of that. And um, it's just another one of those neat things where Google has taken these panoramic cameras, so to speak, to an amazing place to give us a first-person view of it. So if you do anything in class with you know, like physical science and um, biomes and different things like that, this may be a really, really nice resource that you want to check out. So a couple of new neat things that have been added to Maps. Oh, yeah. Maps is amazing. Maps is the only reason I arrive to any location. Yeah, me too. <laughs> at the correct location and at the correct time. Uh, I rely heavily on on the beauty of, of Google Maps. And with these new street views, I think this is this is an amazing uh, thing. They're archiving everything. It just blows my mind yeah. every time I see this. Um, so that, to have that at your fingertips for the classroom is just awesome. Well, yes. the, the other big, pretty big update that everybody is sharing right now is the update to Google Calendar. So what you tend to notice with Google, a lot of times we we will notice sometimes the mobile apps seem better than the, the desktop version when we're on the web, just on our laptops and our desktops. And uh, so Google Calendar has sort of 
taken off on the mobile version and it looks very different from what we're used to seeing on the desktop. And I think the two worlds are finally coming together and some of the features that we love about mobile are now sort of, we're going to see those more integrated. Of course, it is more visually uh, appealing. The the new look and feel, I think, will will help everybody along. You know, I think it's been long overdue for an update, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, when yeah. you look at calendar, it kind of looks antiquated. And usually when you see things like that with Google, you're like, OK, there's they're working on something. And and that's what they've been doing. So um, if you follow the link in our show notes, googleteachertribe.com forward slash 27. Um, you can get links to all of these updates that we're talking about. And so in this particular one, uh, they've got some great screenshots because we don't actually have access to it as of today, the day that we are recording. Um, but you can see more details uh, for instance, when you're when you're booking a room, you can get a little pop up that gives you more information instead of having to click on everything when you go in. Um, the ability to add rich formatting and hyperlinks into the calendar invites—that's really nice. Um, you know, that's been a little clunky for a while. We also have the ability now to manage multiple calendars side by side in the day view. So I I know a lot of us, you know, manage several different calendars. And so I think that's going to be an awesome new feature. They've got some great little GIF animations too in this link in this update to help you see exactly what it looks like. And y'all, it is beautiful. It is color coded and makes every teacher happy. (laughs) So um, the big question is, okay, when do I get it? And so uh, it, it may take a little bit depending on your release um, so whether you're you're in a, a rapid release, it should be out by November 28th. Um, it could be earlier. Um, that's 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 really just the the automatic manual. That's up to your domain administrator. So um, I know that's always one of the questions when we get a big update. Hey, I don't see it yet. And, and there are a lot of different reasons why you may or may not see things yet. But um, I can't wait to get my hands on this new beautiful calendar. Holy cow. This is this is really cool because, you know, before if you activated several calendars that just kind of like lumped everything all together, but now it sorts them out so that each one is in its own column and you can see them side by side. So you can have, you know, I, I know sometimes schools have, you know, like the auditorium calendar and the gym calendar and the activities calendar and all of that. And this keeps those all really separated. So I'm excited about that. And also, I think this whole rooms thing is really cool, too. So if you create an event, you can add different rooms within that event. So you can say what each person is doing within each room. So there's potential there. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that this whole room thing, yeah, looks like a really, really neat option. So yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm still sort of kind of wrapping my brain around it. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Well, I, we, we are looking at it in theory right now. We don't have our yes. hands on it just yet. So the, the other thing I'm crossing my fingers that we're going to see integrated now is, um, like I said, some of the features that we have in mobile, which is pretty unusual to have something in mobile before you have in a desktop. But the, um, the goal setting feature, I think in the mobile app is pretty fantastic. It will automatically help you find time in your calendar to work on things to reach your goal. And one of even the suggestions is learn to code. And so I love the idea 
idea of embedding that into student goal setting. And so, you know, I can talk about it right now, but it really only works if students have access to a mobile device and use the mobile version. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that we'll see that integrated into this as well, because I think that's a pretty cool little feature. And of course, you can you can get links to all of those news and updates on our show notes page, which is at googleteachertribe.com slash 27. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. Okay, Tribe, we are digging deep now into Google Docs, and we are going to share with you some of our favorite ways to give feedback to students inside Google Docs. And, you know, the more that we talked about this in planning, I think the more we realized how long this list of ideas could actually grow. There's there's so many things that are both built into the platform itself. But then when you start adding in add-ons and extensions and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, we've got so many things that, that we can do to help give meaningful feedback um, and quality feedback to our students, So, um, which we all know is so important. So, so we want to give you some ideas and some tips and some different ways that you may be able to do that that work inside of Google Docs. And so I'm going to I'm going to kick things off first with just the most basic of of the feedback tools, which is comments. And I'm often surprised at how many people still really just don't make use of comments. And it's so easy to add a comment inside a Google Doc. And of course, like with anything, there's about six different ways that that you can do that. But generally, I leave my cursor wherever I want to add the comment. And when I just sort of move my mouse to the edge of the the actual um, document itself, I'll see the little bubble to add a comment. And then it will pop open the comment field so that I can type that in. You'll also see a little plus sign inside of a little speech bubble in your toolbar. And then, of course, you've got the comments button up by the share button in the top right. Um, And then there is also... The keyboard shortcut, right? Uh, so yes, that's what uh, I was just about to interject. I'm glad you yeah, thought of that. Yeah. So uh, with with your keyboard, you can do um, Control or Command. Well, I'm on a Mac, so mine's Command Option M, and mm. then it is what Control. I think it's Control option? Shift, shift M. Or, are I you? might be wrong on that. Okay, yeah, uh, we're both staring I'll at a look Mac. look it up so. while you're talking, and All we'll, right, we'll, we'll have we'll an answer fi- here. We'll in a fix second. that in a second. Um, don't mean to. <laughs> so anyway, once your once your comment bubble pops up, then you can begin to leave your comment. And what's great is it's then linked to that specific paragraph where you left your cursor. And so you can leave feedback about each specific section. And so as a former English language arts teacher, this was like a fabulous tool for me. I mean, having to give feedback in writing is is not only important, but, it, you know, hey, we've all walked home with the red ink stains up and down our, our arms from, from writing on papers. And so learning how to make use of this digitally is very powerful. 
So that's the basic of leaving a comment if you haven't ever uh, left a comment, but you can also do multiple things within comments. And so if I left, for instance, I'm leaving Matt a comment right now in our show notes and Matt can see that comment and he can actually respond to it. So you can have a asynchronous conversation going with comments. And um, this this could be a conversation, but obviously the focus of today's episode is more about feedback. So this could be leaving that feedback, you know, about the writing, about, um, you know, reaching those learning goals or whatever it is that you're working on. Yeah. And the, the great thing about that is that the teachers aren't the only ones who have to leave those comments either. This is a perfect place for peer feedback as well. And it's, you know, it's clear and transparent and it's something that where kids can interact with each other digitally. So, um, you know, there, there are lots of great ways to, to get feedback to students and they don't all have to come directly from the teacher. So that is one thing I like is that everybody has the ability to leave comments within the Google Docs. Yes. And I did look at, um, I'm sorry, I was going to say I did look up that uh, keyboard shortcut and it is control alt M instead of control shift. So you go with control alt M to leave a, a comment on a Chromebook or on a Windows device. Yes. Got to love those keyboard shortcuts. So yes. so one of the other things that I, I love about having these little comment bubbles, and by the way, they pop out to the right if you've never seen them, is that you can also tag individual people in the comment. And so that, especially if you're in a collaborative document. So for instance, uh, when I'm collaborating at work and I need to leave a comment, but I want to make sure my boss reads it, I tag him in that comment. And to tag somebody, all you do is type the plus sign and it should automatically start pulling up your frequent contacts. And so you'll eventually hit their um, email address. And so I can find Matt here and leave a comment directly to Matt that his thesis statement needs some work. I always have trouble with my thesis statements. <laughs> um, but that me also is going to trigger a notification for Matt. Um, so, so that he's actually not only going to know that that comment was meant for him and he's the one that needs to work on it, uh, which can get confusing when we begin collaborating. And as you're giving feedback to a group of students, um, things can get a little bit hairy when it comes to, to some of that. The other thing I want to mention is um, when you go to the comments button up, up next to the share button in the top right, you will see a history of the comments. So um, I don't know about you, but my eighth graders would be resolving things all day long, even if they didn't actually mm. do the work. So, Get those comments out of the um, way. Yep. I have proof that I did actually tell you to work on this and that you didn't make the changes that I suggested. Or uh, uh, I resolved it. There's <laughs> yeah. no more proof. Right? I know. I so, so. Um, But that history is great because sometimes you forget about those conversations. I know I've gone back into comments just to sort of revisit um, some things that were discussed um, throughout the creation of a document. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the uh, the idea of tagging somebody with their email address, I want to go back to that for just a second. That's really nice, too, because sometimes we will leave comments inside of a document and the students don't come naturally come back into it and think about it. But if you push that notification out, especially if they have their Google account tied to their phone, then a lot of times you'll get one of those little push notifications, you know, one of those little pop up notifications that you get on um 
on your cell phone, and then you're able to open it up and, and see it immediately and take action. And so that's one of the great things about this. And I know this is mostly about docs, but also about Google Classroom too, because you can do the similar things with like private comments. You can send somebody a comment and they can get back to it instantly. So that is one thing that I think is kind of magical about Google is that it can take things that in the past have caused a roadblock that keep kids from working on things for maybe an entire evening and it can be resolved in a matter of minutes because now if they have trouble, they can write a comment and they can tag their teacher or they can tag another student and ask a question. That notification goes straight to their phone and then they're able to open it up and answer it and then they're right back to work. So it's, you know, it can really, really be powerful in a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes, you know, after school can save an entire night's worth of work. That That is totally true. And so I know the question that may be popping into people's minds right now, because this is what happens with Google Classroom, too. Students can actually turn their notifications off. So um, and you have to make sure that they, they turn those on. Well, in Docs, I want to point out where that setting is. So, oh, yeah. uh, again, where we found the comment history. So when you go up to the comments button that's next to the share button, you will see a little bell that says notifications and there's a drop down right there. And so you can get a notification for all, only yours or none. So of course students could turn this off. You can turn this off too if it's driving you crazy, which uh, we know that sometimes the notifications can fill up our inboxes very, oh very goodness. quickly. Yeah. So um, it's important to understand where that is and what that means. But um, that's also, um, if you're not getting the notifications, of course, uh, that's that's could be why you may have it off. My default is that it's always all. Uh, so I don't know if, if yours is showing the same thing, Matt, but mine it, for all my documents, it, it defaults to all. Yeah. So so that's that's kind of a, a dive into the comments, which I, I agree with Casey. I think a lot of times people don't use those comments quite as much as they they might realize. And I think sometimes people think that comments will be inserted into the document. Like, can you see the comments um, you know, when you're looking at the document or if you print it or share it with somebody else? And so those those don't have to be permanent like that. Um, so that is one really nice thing. And then. Of course, if we jump off into some of the other some of the other third party things that we can use to give feedback in docs, there's some really cool ones. And the first one I wanted to touch on is this thing called Kaizena. It's spelled K-A-I-Z-E-N-A. And you can just go to Kaizena.com to get some information about it. But the thing that I like about Kaizena is that you can leave a comment not just with text, but you can leave it with your voice. And if you're looking on their website, and I think this is so so important, is that it's so much faster to leave voice comments. Like the little the little comment here on the Kaizena webpage says, voice comments are up to 75% faster than typing and help you convey the tone and emotion in your feedback. Thinking about typing a comment 75% faster, so it takes you know maybe four seconds instead of 12 seconds or, or whatever, um, doesn't sound like a whole lot at first, but once you get the hang of this and you start using it repeatedly through the day or repeat, repeatedly through your grading session, you know, when you've sat down to grade all 100 of those essays, or if you're looking at, you know, a hundred different math problems and you want to leave specific feedback for them. This is one of those things that can add up quickly and save you time so that instead of grading for an hour and a half, now maybe you only graded for an hour and 10 minutes and you just got 20 minutes left in your day to go do something else. So 
that's one thing that I really, really love about that. You know, Kaizena used to be sort of um, buggy for a while, but they've really, really made some great improvements to it. And it works really smoothly now. I'm a big fan of Kaizena. I I really do like it. And I I share it a lot in my presentations. And so I'm going to go against what you just said just a little bit. Okay. Because I totally agree, right? Most of us speak much faster than we, we type. And I think it depends on your personality type on whether Kaizena actually saves you time. Because if you're Uh, chatty, like me, and I would get all, you know, animated and excited and sharing. And and it is so great for students to hear that personal voice and to to understand that you, you know, what you're trying to say. I totally think that's the power of it. But on the other side, in in terms of it being a time saver, um, I think that depends on your teaching style and sort of, you know, just because I, I could totally, that would be me. If I was talking, I would say more, which is a good thing, but it would also take me longer. Whereas um, if if I had some sort of um, regular phrases that I used for feedback that I was inserting as a comment, if, if I, I had, had some, some sort, sort of, of um, regular, regular phrases that, that I used for feedback that I was inserting as a comment, if I had some sort of regular phrases that I used for feedback that I was inserting as a comment Um, Mm -hmm. wouldn't be as meaningful though and probably wouldn't be as as quality so I think um, that's the the, that's the other side of it I wanted to mention too one other um, integration that's very similar to that but it's part of the read and write for Google Chrome toolbar which I know a lot of you have and love and if you don't you should definitely check it out Um, there are portions of it that are completely free um, there are some, some additional tools that are paid, but I know a lot of schools pay for it. It's just pretty awesome. So they have in the toolbar a little voice note. And so same idea. You can click on the little bubble and it has the play, um, the little play triangle inside of it. And when you click on it, you just record a voice note and it will insert it as a comment out to the right. And it has a little play button. On it, I believe Kaizena uses a link, so it looks a little bit differently, but um, just another way to leave that personal feedback, mm-hmm. which I think is still, again, so powerful. And, you know, one other integration that I know Casey and I both love, and this isn't really a third-party integration because this is a, with another Google tool, but of course, you've also got Google Keep. Which we're huge fans of Google Keep just in general. I mean, I, I feel like Google Keep is the digital extension of my brain, you know. And um, if you use the Google Keep notepad, which if you're in Google Docs, if you click on tools, it says Keep Notepad. And so if you click on that, it pops open your Keep Notepad over to the right. And I've seen a number of teachers who will create. Now, you, you probably will need to create... Now, you can create this just within the document if you want on your Keep Notepad, or you could just do it in Google Keep in general, but you create a list of some of those commonly used responses that you give students in comments. So if you feel like you're typing the exact same thing over and over and over again, then type those into a list in Google Keep. And then what's great is if you leave that Google Keep notepad open on the right and you come to a part of the student's work and you go, oh, I need to put this one comment in here. Then you click on the comment button and up pops the comment and then you can copy that answer out of your Keep uh, notepad. 
So if you have something like comma splice and you're just going to write those two words or if you had, you know, you described it in a couple of sentences or something, you've got that in your keep note and then you just copy and paste it out of your keep note and you're pasting it right into that comment. So that's that's another one of those things where um, that keep notepad can save you a lot of time. And I also know that you know, there, there's the idea of doc stickers too, where you create a little bit, it's almost like a little visual sticker. You know, it's kind of like a great job or something like that, that you can stick into the doc. Um, so a lot of people will create those in uh, Google Drawings, save them as an image, and then you can just pull that image out of your Google Keep notepad and stick it right into the doc, which is kind of a fun way to leave um, feedback. Since I'm talking about leaving fun feedback, there is one other really neat thing that I really like to use, and that is Bitmojis. And I'm kind of addicted to Bitmojis. And um, Bitmojis, if you're not familiar with those, are they're basically like this um, this little caricature of yourself, kind of like a little image of yourself that you make that looks just like you with all of these fun little phrases. And so I've, I'm starting to see more and more teachers that will drop a bitmoji onto student work to give them feedback because it's fun and it's this little animated face. And sometimes they use some of the, uh, you know, hip and cool terms that um, the kids use these days that some of us don't know. Like I learned about the term on fleek because of Bitmoji. <laughs> For real. I did not know what on fleek meant until I saw the Bitmoji and I finally looked it up. I think I even had to look it up in Urban Dictionary to figure oh, out what it really no. meant. There you go. Just being transparent yeah. there. So. Yeah, no, I like I liked how you said drop a Bitmoji on them. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we're going right. to do. I bet some of you have already Bitmojied this morning or this afternoon, Ooh. whatever time of day you're listening to this. I, I Now it's a verb. I know. I know it's kind of hard to say to you, but, um, you know, we, we have so many other things that we could talk about with feedback, but, uh, I, I think we, we've hit on a few of the highlights here. We have added some additional resources in the show notes for you at googleteachertribe.com slash 27. We have some really good questions here for you today, uh, right from all of you from the tribe. And I want to start off with this first one. It's from Keith George. He's from Alabama, and he goes on Twitter by Big Tech Coach. Um, and so he's he's always sharing lots of really good stuff. Uh, so he was he was responding to a question we had on a recent episode of the podcast where someone was asking about blurring videos so if you've got a video on YouTube and you want to blur some sensitive information about it, I wasn't sure if there was an answer. And I think my best response was you could always take a screenshot and blur over that and then just stick that into your video, like on a a screencastify, like a screencast video. But Keith reminded us that there are other ways to do that. And so he called in and let us know about that. So I'm going to throw it right over to Keith and Keith, you can explain to us. Hey, Matt and Casey, this is Keith George. I am the Big Tech Coach on Twitter, and I am sending in a quick little message about the latest episode of Google Teacher Tribe. And there was a question about blurring out data in tutorial videos. I think the original question was, um, 
like student data in PowerSchool when you were doing tutorials and such like that. And one thing that I have used is YouTube. If you upload your video to YouTube and then go to the video manager, click on edit, click on enhancements, and then to the right of the video window, there's a button for blurring effects. And you can automatically blur out faces or you can do the custom blurring where you select an area of the screen to blur out and it will keep that area blurred uh, for as long as there is uh, something there. So that's what I've used for my tutorials. Hopefully that will help someone out. And uh, again, love the podcast. Listen every week. Can't wait for more. Thanks so much. Thanks, Keith, for for sharing that awesome idea. And you went one step further and even created a YouTube tutorial for us. And so we have included that link in the show notes. So if you if you want to see exactly how this works in blurring that sensitive information in YouTube, go check that out at googleteachertribe.com slash 27. So we are going to move on to our next question, which comes to us from Alex Adams from Nashville, Tennessee. And Alex has an interesting idea, and I'm sure some of you have have sort of wondered the same thing. And he really is asking something that a lot of you may be interested in hearing. So, so Alex, take it away. Hi, Casey, Matt. This is uh, Alex Adams from Nashville, Tennessee. Find me on my blog at nighttimemath.com. And I'm just... Super excited to be leaving you guys a voicemail. Uh, I just want to let you guys know that I have been very inspired by your podcast and your blogs and have inspired me to be just a better teacher. And I think the kids are the ones that are paying off. So I just want to say thank you. And uh, one of those things that I'm doing this year is I'm trying to ditch my book. I've been doing a whole bunch of Screencastify videos and in kind of a flip setting. And um, what I'd like to be able to do is that when kids finish one learning objective, that when they hit submit in Google Classroom, that they could, uh, that would open up the next video assignment. That would then allow them to go on to the next learning objective. So if they finish 1.2 learning objective that they hit submit in Google Classroom, that now 1.3's video notes and slides and and uh, is now accessible. That way they can just keep on learning uh, and eventually not even need me. How awesome would that be? Anyways, hope you guys are doing well. Take care. If you're ever in Nashville, come on by. Alex, I have a couple of ideas on ways that you you may be able to address this, but I want to first say Google Classroom is not a learning management system, and I don't think they really intend for it to be a full uh, like Blackboard or, or something that intense. <laughs> I can't think of a better word. But the the idea that you're talking about is drip content, where we basically hang on to learning modules until the student has has reached that objective, and then they move on to the next one. So, so one idea that I have is what if you had a classroom for each module? And at the end of each module, you probably have some sort of assessment, maybe a Google form, maybe it's a Google form quiz. And um, once they have submitted that, you could either um, put this in the form or distribute this through classroom, but you could give the code to the next classroom that had the next module so that you're sort of giving them the key to get into the next one. Um, Matt and I were sort of discussing this and we thought about that just in terms of forms in general, when you get that little option at the bottom to, you know, thank you for submitting or whatever, where you could add a link. And so you could do it down there as well, but um, that's the only way I can think of to make it work. Of course uh, we don't have all the answers. 
So that's why we have a tribe. And uh, so if anybody else out there has some some other ideas on ways to sort of drip content in Google Classroom, please share this. I think this is a great conversation and uh, something that, that we can all share what we learn. And I, I may just add on here that while we were doing this, I flipped through um, Alex's blog, which is called Nighttime Math. So that's K-N-I-G-H-T time t-i-m-e math and so if you're a math teacher it would be worth it to come over here and check it out he's got some really cool ideas on his blog so so thank you alex for that question so we get so many great questions and you guys are pretty good at stumping us let's just say that (laughs) Um, and, and sometimes it's more of a philosophical type of question too sometimes the questions come back down to you know your your own pedagogy and and your beliefs about teaching in general and feedback and assessment and those types of things but this question we feel like we have some great answers but we know that the tribe has more to offer. So this question comes to us from Amy Eagle in New York, and she says, I love Google Classroom, but I'm wondering if we should be teaching basic drive skills that are no longer as critical when we use Classroom to disseminate and turn in work. Clearly, it is easier to use Classroom than to teach sharing, etc. How would you reconcile the two? So I think this is a great question. I, you know, the, the sharing piece, obviously, um, but just in general, how do you teach G Suite skills to your students. I think there's some amazing resources. I know I have seen tons of of great ideas from from other educators and other bloggers. So we wanted to put this out there to you, and we want to come back and share some of these responses in our next episode. So so leave us a voicemail at googleteachertribe.com slash feedback, or tag us on Twitter or wherever and let us know what you think. We have a couple of great blog posts that we want to share with you. And the first one, the one that I want to share, actually comes from the Infinitely Teaching blog. And if you're not familiar with this, especially if you're a math teacher, uh, see, this is the second math blog that that I've suggested to you. So um, if you're a math teacher, you totally want to check this out. It's written by Mandy Tolan. And Mandy Tolan is a friend of the podcast and also big part of the Ditch Book community on Twitter. And Mandy had this genius idea of how to use Google Slides to create a memory game. So Casey, do you remember memory where you had all the little tiles, little cards that were flipped over and you got to flip two and see if you could make a match? Do you remember that? Oh, yes, I remember. So Mandy has come up with this great way to use Google Slides to create a memory game. And she uses it for math. So she's got like the... um, She's got the graph in one of them, and then she's got the equation in another, and you're supposed to be able to match the graph and the equation, which I thought was brilliant. And so she talks about a way that you can put all of the you know the possible answers down, and then you cover them up with these little tiles where you delete, use the delete key to delete them off, and if it's not a match, then use undo to put them back. It was such a such a creative, clever way to do this. I, I really loved it. So you definitely want to check that out, and we will have a link to that post on the show notes, of course. And I want to share uh, my latest blog post, which was four must-have Google Classroom skills for teachers. And I want to tell you that this came from questions that have been submitted to me. So I've been collecting Google Classroom questions and, and trying to 
be uh, more personalized in what I offer in terms of of solutions, especially when it comes to Google Classroom, because I answer the same questions over and over again. And like I said, sometimes I get stumped. And sometimes these are things that I feel like can help not only new users, but sometimes it's just a matter of, oh, I never clicked on that. I never noticed that before. And so um, these all have to do with assignments, creating assignments. So uh, the first one is how to post an assignment to multiple classes, how to schedule your assignments, how to assign work to individuals or groups, and that oh so important one, how to make a copy of assignment materials. So um, that one comes up a lot, especially in the Facebook group, and people just don't necessarily understand how that works. So I put it into an infographic as well, and you can go check that out on the ShakeUp Learning blog, and feel free to share that with any uh, new-to-Google Classroom teachers that you may be helping out, because I know you guys are all experts. Yeah, no, those are those are great. Those are some things that I hear an awful lot too. So yeah, definitely go go check that out. Well, I think that wraps up episode 27 of the Google Teacher Tribe. We hope everyone gained some new skills today. We learned uh, a little bit more about how to use comments and some other feedback strategies in Google Docs. And we had some great questions and, and shares from the tribe. Keep sharing with us, please. We love it. We love learning with all of you. And we are so glad that you are still listening to us, even right. 27 epi- episodes in. And we hope everyone has a great week. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Yes, thank you. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power. And may the Googles be with you. That was such an awkward ending. Go check. Go check. Go go. Go check. Good go, job. Go check it out. Come on, guys. Go check it. Go go go. go. I can't. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Oh well. I'm just kind of awkward sometimes. It happens. Bye, Chris. Bye, Chris. <laughs>